The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to another live edition of What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley. With me tonight is Father William Jenkins. He is a traditional Catholic priest, member of the Society of St. Pius V. He's also the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you? Very fine, Tom. Thank you. Better, better, better than I was, <laughs> certainly, and thanks for your prayers. Mm -hmm. You're doing well? Yes, Father. It's great good. to be, be back after a week off. Yes, so, well, it's good to see you. I'm sure yes. it was much needed. <laughs> a little bit of rest for you, all right. Yes, great to be back there, Father. Um, I know you wanted to start the program by asking for some prayers. Yes, there are some dear souls who need prayers. Uh, Father Martin Skirke's brother, uh, Mr. Fred Skirke, is uh, very ill in Montana, so I ask everyone to pray for him. And uh, please also, there's a dear lady here who's undergoing cancer surgery tomorrow. So I ask prayers for uh, Donna. And uh, there are quite a number of other good souls, too, you know, who don't necessarily want to be named, but uh, uh, some children among them are facing some very serious health issues, so please do keep them all in your prayers. And uh, your prayers are much appreciated. Those who uh, receive them, uh, receive them gratefully, and uh, certainly rem remember you also in their prayers. And uh, don't be surprised if they would be offering for you also some of their some of, as a sacrifice, some of their own hardships uh, in, uh, as an expression of their gratitude. So, mm -hmm. thank you for your, for your help in that prayers. Yes, absolutely. Form of prayers. <clears throat> absolutely. Well, Father, there's a lot going on right now that we wanted to cover. Um, one of the biggest things probably that uh, has been in the news right now um, that we've seen a lot of is this uh, apology tour that Francis is taking right now of Canada. Um, right here in North America, there's um, been a lot of news reports coming out from this trip, Father, ostensibly the, the purpose of this uh, its trip, it's, it's been called a penitential pilgrimage, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, but it seems that it essentially amounts to an apology tour. Um, I guess the, <clears throat> the, uh, the reason for this was the, the residential school um, so-called massacre that, that uh, we, we touched, touched on on the show um, in, in recent months. And I guess Francis is over there to apologize for the, the Catholic Church's role in this. But um, even beyond that, Father, there are <clears throat> so many um, news articles coming out from his, his actions over there in just the couple days that he's been over in, in Canada. And um, these a lot of seemingly pagan rituals that he has been uh, partaking of, these um, indigenous people's healing dances and a, mm. a, a smudging ceremony or something of the sort. And um, there are all kinds of pictures floating around the internet of Francis and this um, indigenous headgear and headdress and feathers and the whole nine yards. And um, so there's, there's a, lot, a lot with that, Father, but I guess just um, in general, I, I know you've, you've seen some of these, these pictures of Francis and his, his fancy headgear. Um, you've, you've read through just a, a few of the articles about uh, some of these pagan ceremonies, pagan rituals that he's been participating in. What is your, uh, what is your, your thoughts on all of this, Father? Well, uh, the church has been calumniated. Of course, the church continues, the true Catholic church, the traditional Catholic church, continues to be calumniated and slandered by the leaders of the new order ever since uh, Vatican II. Um, the uh, pontiffs of the new order have taken it upon themselves to apologize for what the church uh, used to be and what the church they claim used to do, right? Um, they especially seem to zero in on the missionary efforts of the church to show how bad they were and uh, how um, genocidal and, and with, uh, that they were atrocities against indigenous people and indigenous cultures, meaning pagan cultures, pagan religions. 
And um, I mean, John Paul II did the, the same thing, uh, notably, uh, apologizing to um, everything, but he apologized to Galileo, <laughs> for Galileo at one point, uh, for the church's treatment of him. Although, again, it is grossly mis misrepresented by the, the Novus Ordo. The history is completely uh, distorted by them. In order to dig up skeletons in the closet uh, so they can blame it on the old church because what they really want to do is really blame it on the old religion. <clears throat> they want to blame it on the old faith as a form not only of justifying the changes that they brought in, but uh, in a sense in a way of glorifying the changes they brought in as though all these terrible things used to be done in the name of God, in the name of religion, in the name of the Catholic Church, and now we have uh, found the integrity necessary to uncover these things, to admit them, to take responsibility for them, or at least to cast responsibility on them to others in previous generations. And we're proving ourselves to be innocent uh, and actually heroic in uh, admitting them and apologizing on behalf of our ancestors, our Catholic ancestors, for all the evil things they did under the guise of piety. And it's one huge lie. It is an enormous lie. <clears throat> it is uh, what um, Father Vincent Michelli, the, the Jesuit, um, called the big lie of, of our own day. And, uh, you know, these residential schools in Canada were an attempt, really, of the Canadian government to assimilate the indigenous uh, people's um, uh, children into Canadian culture. And, um, you know, one might say, well, you know, this was atrocious that they would do this. And uh, it is atrocious that children would be taken away uh, by law from their families. I mean, we agree with that, heaven knows. Um, but this is how they did things back then, and it wasn't right. But this was the Canadian government that did this. I mean, these were acts of law, right? Uh, I think it was from 1897 to 1947 or something like that. Uh, um, it was required that these children be taken from their families. Uh, you know, under the guise of altruism, the idea, no doubt, was, well, if they're going, these children are going to flourish in our society, they need to learn certain skills, and so we'll take them to our schools, we'll educate them at government expense, and this is a good thing, Right. The public school system, what could be more altruistic than that, right? Well, now we realize it wasn't entirely altruistic, was it? It was um, the attempt of indoctrination. We're told now that the residential school system in Canada was actually an attempt of religious, uh, school, not only Catholic religious, to indoctrinate the children in Christianity. And uh, as a matter of fact, the religious schools that had been established for the uh, native uh, uh, children in Canada had been largely given up um, by the religious uh, institutions there until the government decided to make them mandatory. The government really was the one that got behind them to uh, compel the, American, the native uh, Canadian uh, populations to get their children involved. And as many as maybe a, a third of the Native American, the Native Canadian, I should say, I'm thinking North America here, um, children were actually enrolled in these schools at any one time. Um, but they were found to, to, to be quite uh, inoperable, largely because the government, with its program, um, left the you know, the religious institutions to kind of fend for themselves and make the best of it. Uh, they didn't have the funding that they needed, really, to be successful. The government was just apparently deciding to use the religious of the church to do their work for them in educating these children and uh, trying to make it as economical as it could for the government. Um, so, um, the, you know, the church, the Catholic Church, found itself in a difficult spot, in a sense, caught in this government policy and uh, trying to make the best of things. Um, of course, the government also tries to find a way to blame failure on everyone else. This is what government does. It's, 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 
what politicians do. I mean, government basically is made of politicians and their bureaucrats that they put in position of power. And so what is government but, uh, but politicians and uh, the bureaucrats they choose to work for them and for their political gain. Um, and so we find that this is what governments do. And so they, they of course, want to blame the Catholic Church. But there were other religious institutions also that were involved, the Anglicans and, and others too, but that doesn't seem to really have mattered that much. Uh, Trudeau, uh, Justin Trudeau, um, you know, being a worthy son of his of his father, whether it been, have been you know uh, Trudeau, Prime Minister Trudeau before him, or Fidel Castro, as some suggest, well, either way, <laughs> being a worthy son of his father, whoever that was, um, has decided to blame the Catholic Church for this. In fact, um, last count I had uh, fifty. Catholic churches were burned to the ground in Canada uh, before Justin Trudeau even raised a word to say this was not a good idea, please don't do that. But uh, 50 Catholic churches were torched because of the lie that was being spread that uh, there were mass graves of Indian children uh, buried uh, near you know, former Catholic residential schools. And uh, these mass graves of children, unmarked and unnamed and secret, buried in secret, as though they had perished um, due to, you know, cruelty, cruel con conditions that prevailed in these residential schools under the religious, uh, the religious uh, orders and congregations that ran them. Um, this was a bald-faced lie. It was a, an invention. Um, Trudeau was a big part of that lie. And uh, now Francis is a big part of that lie, too. In fact, uh, they have found graves of children, um, as you would expect. Um, but they were not unmarked. They were marked with the crosses when the children were buried. They were buried according to the Catholic rites. They were not just thrown in mass graves by the hundreds. Uh, quite the contrary. Um, you know, the, the accusation that the graves were unmarked is nonsense. The graves were marked, but the wooden crosses have you know, fallen away over the course of time. And uh, the, there are no such thing. There was no such thing as a mass grave for, for the indigenous children uh, related to any of these residential schools. They found no evidence of it all. What they have found when they have discovered the graves of children, they found that they were buried uh, decently, given a real, a religious burial, and treated with respect, and their graves were marked, and their names were noted, and uh, they were buried uh, as virtually any, any other, um, you know, child, let's say, in, in Canada at the time. And, but why would they have been buried as children? Because they died as children. Why would they have died as children? Well, back in that, in that era, a lot of children did die. Uh, they died of uh, diseases. In fact, uh, the Canadian government was warned by an inspector, a government inspector in 1907, that there were prime conditions, that's a quote, prime conditions for the outbreak of plague or uh, of a disease um, uh, in, in, in Canada and in the school system in Canada. And the government ignored that warning from their own inspector, ignored that warning, did nothing to alleviate the conditions and yes, children did die of disease, but again, it's not the church that did this to them. Uh, the government was warned by its own, its own agent about the, the danger of this, and uh, the government ignored his warning. So yes, children did die, but you know, we, we realized too, knowing the history of, you know, we're not you know, um, uh, ignorant of the history of the world at that time. St. John Bosco in the 1800s had his schools with his children, and uh, a lot of the youngsters, a lot of them, I mean, how many is a lot? More than today, anyway, uh, per capita, we'd say, those children died at the age of 12 and 14 and 15. St. John, uh, St. Dominic Savio is an example of a young man. Uh, St. John Bosco's good, good companion, Luis Comolo, died of disease, a blood infection from an insect bite, as I recall, at a young age. And uh, 
children did die, did die of disease at that age. It was just the way it was. It wasn't anyone who was out to get them, uh, exterminate them. There were no nefarious hands. Every effort was made to try to save them. <laughs> um, but um, and and you can be sure that in the course of the uh, illness uh, of this of this disease that would have ravaged this this outbreak of disease that ravaged Canada. Uh, that, you know, efforts were made to save these children, but inevitably some died. But they were, they were not buried in mass graves. There's no evidence of that whatsoever. It's turned out to be a complete invention. Francis says now he's on a penitential journey, as you say, to come and apologize to the indigenous peoples of Canada for these atrocities. But no such graves have actually been found anywhere. Despite the fact, though, uh, the Canadian Catholic uh, hierarchy is, was swift to fall on their faces pleading uh, for an apology. And uh, now indigenous leaders are saying, well, this also raises the specter of financial preparations now that you're admitting uh, now that you're admitting malfeasance and what you've done here mm. to us. So, um, you know, this is the kind of thing we're dealing with, but it's all a function of the Novus Ordo. And, and by the way, Tom, you know, you mentioned Francis with his uh, smudging, and uh, it involves burning sage and uh, basically blowing smoke. But this is what Francis does. I mean, he, he fits into these pagan ceremonies very well. Because his entire life seems a matter of blowing smoke. Mm -hmm. But we can talk more about that smudge ceremony. Perhaps we should. Yeah. Well, but you've got something in your mind. Well, Father, you know, we keep hearing this mass graves, mass graves. Um, how, how many children, have there been any kind of numbers given on this? Because from just the, what, what I've read on this, I think the whole thing started with, um, apparently there were, there were supposedly the remains of 215 children found at, at one of these sites. Well, who said that, Trudeau? Um, I believe that that was the government okay. number that, that that was put in, that was put out. Um, mm. But two two hundred and fifteen children there. Um, I don't know how how many at, at other. And by the way, if that were true, and I don't think it is true, yeah, right. Uh, you know, you have two hundred fifteen children's graves buried. We're talking about over a period of what? You know, I mean, these these residential schools were going for about a hundred years. Yeah, exactly. Mandatory for about half of that time. So, I mean, is, is that really unusual? If you look at the, the number of deaths of children in greater Canada, uh, would that really have been out of line with, you know, what would have been considered normal mortality rate? In exactly, sense? and that's, that's the if point. True, I think yeah. even this school where they supposedly found the 215 remains was a, a larger school. I don't know the exact mm -hmm. population, but yeah, that number would seem perfectly, um, perfectly reasonable. But even if... Um, Father, there were any semblance of, of, of truth to this, um, why, why would, would Francis travel halfway across the world to make such a big apology over this, these 215, maybe, maybe there is more, but, but yet remain so silent on uh, issues like abortion, where we have millions and tens and hundreds of millions of, of uh, innocent children who have been, been murdered um, in a much more cruel manner. Um, than, than even they're alleging here. Um, so why why make such a big deal out of out of these two hundred and fifteen or so when he could? It's not part say of the program. Part of the program to embarrass and reject the church as it was before Francis, before the Vatican II, um, and exalt the Novus the New Order as though it is you know somehow the moral high ground. But it's also, more than that, Tom, it's also an opportunity to exalt the neo-paganism. It's an opportunity to exalt uh, the indigenous religions of animism. And that's, that's shown in the smudge ceremony, too. Uh, it's a purification ceremony. It is a pagan ceremony. I mean, Francis, we know, takes part in pagan ceremonies. It astounds me that the New Order Catholics are willing to simply accept that that is the way what Francis does. 
And uh, it's like he can do anything and there are no consequences, right? Uh, as far as they're concerned. I mean, look, remember when he, when he walked into, in procession to the first liturgy of the World Youth Day celebration, the Synod on Youth, and he's carrying a witch's stang, a witch's staff. He's carrying it in place of a cross, a cross, a crucifix. He's carrying a witch's stang. <clears throat> this was, you would think, shocking, horrific. You'd think people would say, that's proof positive that this is not Catholic and he is not Catholic. But he did it. He got away with it. Where did he get the witch's stang? It was solemnly presented to him, right, in one of the lead-up meetings pre preparatory to the World Youth uh, Synod <coughs> by a couple of teenage girls. Maybe they were teenagers, maybe, maybe early 20s. But they were wearing the red ribbon of the cabal, the, the, the Kabbalah, the Jewish cabal. They were wearing the ribbon on their wrists of their actual pagan uh, affiliations as they came to France's and presented him solemnly with this witch's stang to carry with him at the youth synod. And he did. And he did. I mean, one can still, uh, you know, search for Francis Stang, S-T-A-N-G, witch's stang or whatever, and one can bring photos of that very uh, incident and look at the, the close-up of that witch's stang. And uh, it's... And, and then actually see what witches' stangs are and verify for oneself, even here and now, today, that yes, in fact, that's exactly what Francis was doing. And he certainly had to be aware of it. Somebody had to be aware of what was going on there, what that was all about, right? So we know that Francis is perfectly willing and even happy to um, take part in pagan ceremonies. We saw the worship of the earth goddess Peshamama, right, in the Vatican Gardens, and then how he, he brought it into St. Peter's Basilica. He had the Pachamama idol enshrined right in front of him at the uh, Synod on the Amazon uh, for all to see right there. It was though, as though he's there as the supreme pontiff of the new order, but he's got right in front of him Pachamama as though Pachamama is presiding over this ceremony at this synod. And Papachimama did. This devil, devil goddess, so-called, actually presided there. And uh, he takes it into St. Peter's Basilica. They have the whole layout there with the snakes, you know, the figures of the snakes and all the rest. Uh, another, another, you say, might say incarnation of Papachimama herself. And uh, then the enthronement of these Papachimamas and the churches around... Uh, around Rome. Of course, the case of uh, Chiguel going in and, and removing um, some of the, these idols from the Santa Maria Transportina church, right, on the Via Delicatione, which leads, leads right to St. Peter. Uh, he went in early one morning, took them out, and uh, threw them into the Tiber River, right? And this was considered to be such a terrible atrocity, such an insult to Pachamama and the indigenous peoples and so on and so forth. But all of these things have in common that they are the invocation of spirits. I mean, this is, a, this is the, the complete pagan uh, pedigree of all these ceremonies and all of these, these figures. They involve the invocation of spirits. Remember when uh, the Native American gentleman was beating the drum in the face of one of the students from Covington, right? He was invoking spirits. That's what he was doing right there. And the young man was excoriated and held up before the entire nation as an example of smug white supremacy, whatever, right? Well, this, this uh, Native American had singled this young lad out, went right up to him face to face, very boldly, and was beating the drum right in his face. And the young man didn't flinch. He said he smiled to show that he, he did not mean any harm, you know. That was all. And yet his smile was looked upon as smug white supremacy, right? This is what the, the leftists make of everything. And all of these things involve the invoking of spirits. And they are not, they're not holy spirits. As far as we know, Catholics, you don't invoke 
saints this way. Um, but with the smudge and the and the, the the smudge dance and all that, you know, we're told right from the start that uh, we're beating a drum because the drum represent is the heartbeat of the earth. So they they personify the things of the world, the forces of the world. They personify them. This is what animism is. It it ascribes to them actual conscious spirits <coughs> who actually animate, well, animate these things, as though all of these things are alive, as though the earth itself were a living being, okay? And uh, this is what paganism is all about. This is what uh, neo-paganism is all about. This is what Wicca is all about. In fact, if you, if you look up the smudge uh, dance and the smudge ceremony, you'll find that it is promoted online by practicing Wiccans. And they make no no secret of it, they, they present themselves as actual practicing and leaders in the Wiccan community. And they are the ones who are promoting this, this smudging um, and telling you how to smudge and what words to say when you smudge and what the purpose of your smudging is. And what you're doing is you're trying to banish negative energy and you're trying to invoke positive energy in the form of these spirits. Well, how is this any different from, from having a seance or any other pagan ceremony? And why would a uh, supreme pontiff uh, of a Novus Ordo religion, a New Order religion, feel so comfortable doing this? And take part in this as a, as a, as a, a penitential exercise. He actually considers this a penitential exercise? of apologizing, apologizing and making things right with these indigenous people by invoking these spirits. Um, the man is, is um, well, I was going to say he's a pagan, but it actually goes farther than that. He's a modernist. He's an out-and-out -out modernist. And uh, again, St. Pius X himself told us that modernism is the complexus of, a synthesis of all heresies. And that certainly applies to Francis. Father, um, you know, in, in regards to his apologies to these indigenous peoples and his, his uh, apparent obsession with them and their rights and everything, I know someone made the point, uh, what about um, how these same, these very same indigenous peoples treated our Catholic missionaries who went to North America? You know, we have our very own North American martyrs who... Uh, because of these these pagan beliefs of these indigenous people uh, were were put to death, were very very cruelly martyred. I mean, you talk about cruelty, talk about um, you know savagery. Well, here you have it in the indigenous people of of North America, of Canada, who put to death our Catholic missionaries who who went over there. Um, why no mention? Why no mention of that? Why does that? Because just it doesn't count. Fall on death it, it, it just doesn't count. Because the missionaries came, they would tell you as part of an invasion force of uh, European governments, kings and so on. And the missionaries were playing their role, they say, in uh, kind of as an advanced guard to pave the way for conquest. And uh, so it was made known by the Native Americans or Native Canadians that they were not wanted, and so they had to be very emphatic to say, well, look, we really don't want you here, and so in order to make that clear, we're going to torture you uh, to death. So you get the message, we don't want you here. So th that's no doubt the answer that they would give. I mean, uh, not long ago, well, I should say not long ago, of course, you know, when you get to my age, yeah. be careful about that. <laughs> when I was uh, in mid-twenties or so, I came across a movie poster Okay, it was about uh, was it the, the Maya or the Aztecs. It was uh, um, the movie poster said um, the Native American peoples they were talking about. I forget which it was. Had everything. They had wealth. They had prestige. They had comfort. They had this. They had that. All the wonderful things that civilization could give. And then Cortez brought them Christianity. It just to say, 
and that ruined everything. You know, and that ruined everything. And this is a mentality. This is a mentality they have. They want to have you believe, a la Rousseau, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, that the noble savage was basically the most saintly individual who ever lived. The noble savage. And that civilization, society, socialization, and notably Christianity ruined, ruined the good character of the natural um, savage, the noble savage. Um, and so we have to overcome these things and, and return mankind to the state of the noble savage in which everything was perfect. Uh, you could say it even goes along with Marx's idea that before the introduction of private property, everything was perfect. The world was par a paradise, right? But, you know, when Cortes arrived here, um, the, the Indian tribes, the native Indian tribes uh, scattered throughout the Aztec Empire were actually being brutalized, uh, being raided, um, uh, being butchered in the, uh, in the hummingbird temple, in <laughs> uh, sacrifice to the hummingbird god. And uh, many of them joined forces with Cortes to overthrow the Aztec Empire that was uh, brutalizing them. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't paradise. But they, they fantasized this, this old world of the noble savage where everything was just, just wonderful. And uh, then Christianity ruined everything. They fantasized that. They, they bought so completely into that absolute lie. And Francis is feeding that lie now. Mm -hmm. Father, if you're no sort of Catholic, if you have any Catholic... <laughs> bone in your, in your body, how can you remain, possibly remain in any way affiliated with this? Because here you have the supreme pontiff of your entire religion who uh, is worshipping idols in the Vatican, uh, in the Vatican, no less. He and is, uh, in, inside and outside the Vatican. Yeah, and he's participating um, blatantly in pagan rites, pagan rituals, um, just, you know, has absolutely no... At the same time, he's trying to wipe from the face of the earth the traditional right. Latin right. mass. Right. 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 Yes. At we, the same yeah, time, we talk about that. There, there seems to be more and more um, crackdowns on the the Latin mass, Latin sacraments from from bishops and cardinals now across the world. We mentioned the uh, uh, was it in Washington D.C. with uh, Cardinal Wilton Gregory, how he effectively um, totally banned any traditional Latin or. Well, it's allowed in only three non-parish um, settings now, yeah, yeah. which I, cuts a lot of people out. I think no Latin sacraments whatsoever, right? And as far as baptisms and marriages yeah. and so on, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. Those are actually still in Kabutin now. Yeah. But you know, Tom, it, it's more honest for them to act this way because the New Order uh, liturgy was never meant to coexist with, with the traditional Mass anyway. Yeah. You know, we're not just talking about the Latin Mass. We're talking about the traditional Roman Rite of Mass that Francis wants to annihilate. When the new Rite came out, though, under Paul VI, the original plan was <laughs> that the traditional Roman Rite would simply disappear from the face of the earth. And for 20 years, the first 20 years after the new Rite came out, this was exactly what was imposed. I mean, um, no matter where we went, uh, as newly ordained priests, we were told you cannot be saying this This traditional Roman rite is absolutely forbidden. Um, every now and then we'd hear about some old retired priest who was put away in a nursing home somewhere who was allowed to still carry on saying the old Latin rite, which he knew, but he couldn't do it publicly. Because you, you certainly couldn't expose the children to that. Why? Because they had to be absolutely cut off from any knowledge even that there was such a thing. They had to be raised entirely in the Novus Ordo. Very much like the communists said, that give me one generation, let me cut them off from their roots, and I will give you a bunch of communists. And um, so the, the Novus Ordo had that intention, to completely obliterate the traditional mass. The only reason why they relented under John Paul II was because Archbishop had consecrated bishops, and they didn't succeed in snuffing out the Society of St. Pius X. Uh, they had tried for the previous decade, basically, to um, get Archbishop Lefebvre to agree to a protocol whereby they would take control over the SSPX. 
and uh, finally actually did control what bishop they would have to succeed Archbishop Lefebvre or absolutely just deny them a bishop to succeed him. <clears throat> they failed in that. And so then notice immediately, immediately after failing that, and immediately after Archbishop Lefebvre consecrated bishops, they instantaneously had a change of heart and they began to allow the traditional Latin Mass within the diocese. Uh, the diocese is under very controlled circumstances. Um, this was simply a ploy. Um, they felt that they had to. It was a tactic to prevent people from leaving. You know, they, were, they were basically hemorrhaging their life's blood. People were leaving them. And um, they had to do something. But now, with Francis now, they're trying to take us back to that time and pick up where they left off with the idea, now we're going to really carry out Vatican II and we're going to utterly annihilate the traditional Mass. Uh, we're going to cut off an entire generation from even a knowledge of the traditional Mass. Um, and, and this is the way they, they expect that they're going to carry out, complete the revolution of Vatican II. Mm -hmm. And Father, if someone is in the Novus Ordo though, and they, they see this happening, um, you know, they, they see that their, their uh, Pope is taking away their, their Mass and their sacraments. They see that their, their Pope, their Supreme Pontiff, has no uh, regard whatsoever for the saint martyrs that we have. And, and North America, and they really apologizes for them. Yeah, yeah. And you see all these things, even if, even if uh, you are unsure of the the papal question and haven't quite uh, worked through all of that. If you have any semblance of Catholicism, uh, you know that you cannot partake in these things. You know you cannot participate in these. You cannot be uh, in any way be affiliated with with someone who who worships idols and uh, practices pagan pagan ceremonies, pagan rituals. Um, even if you haven't worked through the papal question, don't you have to just just leave leave this this church, whatever if you you're want honest, to call it? If, you, if you're going to be an honest Catholic, yes, you can. You have to. You, have to. you can't be. You see, the the problem is there's somebody who feels stuck that they feel a moral obligation almost to somehow spin this and justify it somehow, and um, because they're caught in the middle, they're caught in the modernist trap. Okay, it's, it's exactly the trap that uh, Cardinal Ottaviani spoke about in 1969 when the new Mass came out. Uh, that there's a tragic alternative, quote-unquote, he said, between accepting this Novus Ordo liturgy, which is so obviously not Catholic. It does not, he said, stand for the, for the faith as taught by the Council of Trent, and had never, has no intention of standing for that faith. And yet he says the Catholic conscience is bound to that faith forever. Um, so he says, well, what is a Catholic to do then? He said, this will put even the, the, best, the best of the Catholics, the most faithful, faithful of Catholics, he says, will be facing a tragic alternative between obeying what they're told, thinking they're obeying by accepting the new order, uh, the new order liturgy, uh, which does not stand for their faith and has no intention of doing so, which is contrary to their faith, or re rejecting it and, and appearing to be obedient, a disobedient, right? To appearing to be uh, somehow rebels and, and so on, be branded as schismatics and all the rest, simply because they're holding on to the old traditional faith uh, of council, the Council of Trent and the traditional worship of the Church. This is the tragic alternative, and it continues today. The people today are, are desperately trying to somehow salvage Francis and his papacy and to still remain Catholic, and they find it more and more difficult to do so. In fact, what they have to do, they have to perform such uh, not only intellectual gymnastics, but they have to perform such uh, atrocities to their faith. They, have to, they become almost contortionists when it comes to their faith that eventually they find themselves compromising in matters of faith. And their faith is beginning to erode. They begin to actually believe. Maybe it's not that bad, actually. Maybe there is a point here for Francis actually taking part in Pachamama worship in the Vatican. Maybe that's really not a bad thing. Uh, maybe, you know, they start thinking, well, maybe it's... it's, it's a good thing, or at least if it's not a good thing, maybe it's not just, it's just not that bad anymore. Well, when they say that, they've been scandalized. 
They've actually drank the Kool-Aid. They are scandalized by Francis' behavior, and their faith is beginning to crumble away. Familiarity breeds acceptance. They see it. Yes, and enough. they have to continually find a way to justify this, or at least, if not justify, to say that it's not absolutely incompatible with being a Catholic and even being a Pope. You know? Uh, and as soon as they start thinking like that, they're already beginning to lose their grip on the faith. This is what's going on right now. Yeah. The modernists have figured it out very well. Well, Father, um, just... Uh, although, uh, not as well as they think, you know. <laughs> the, the, the greatest atrocities in history, uh, history have been committed by those who thought they were very, very smart, but they weren't quite as smart as they thought they were. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yes, Father, it is with the modernists. Uh, just the last thing I would say on this, um, this whole... Francis uh, ordeal is that um, he's he's a, a very good leftist. This is uh, what mm -hmm. what leftists have, have always done is make these uh, a, apology tours, apologizing for. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it, you know, we when uh, when Bill Clinton was uh, was mm -hmm. the president of the, of the United States, was, he made a lot of news where he went to Africa and um, I guess apologizing apologizing for America's rule rule in slavery. Mm. Um, and John Paul II did did similar things, and so this is this is what leftists do: is they yeah, they make yeah. these silly uh, apology tours. These um, yeah, it uh, makes them sound morally superior because they're apologizing. Yes, my Catholic ancestors, my American ancestors, are bad, but I'm so much better than they are now because I yeah. I recognize that you know and so I'm I'm rejecting them and what they've done. You see, and that that somehow puts me on a much higher moral plane and level than they are. Yeah. Well, Father... It's, it's, it's just a problem. Talk about smudge and blowing smoke. Well, <laughs> yeah. this is smug. They're very, very smug in doing this. Yeah. Um, you know, Tom, um, there's a certain movement afoot these days to say Marxism needs a religion. Mankind needs a religion. I mean, even uh, the Antichrist well, knows that. There has to be a religion that goes along with his reign. And that's why they, when they talk about a one-world dictatorship or tyranny, they talk about a one-world religion which underpins it, which gives it a kind of cosmological or a cosmic significance, you know. And uh, so uh, it has been suggested that neo-paganism is the perfect world religion for a Marxist, for a Marxist society, a world society, that if you wanted to have a religion that would be the underpinning of a worldwide Marxist tyranny, it is neo-paganism. And if you see Francis and, and he, how he condemns capitalism and is entirely behind the um, World Economic Forum program, promoting it at every turn, in fact, uh, people have been com commenting recently about how um, Francis and Justin Trudeau have exactly the same program. Uh, they're corresponding right down the line. They have this enormous meeting of the minds. It's almost uncanny. It's kind of spooky. Justin Trudeau and Francis, you know, they see eye to eye in virtually everything. And um, so... You know, Francis has been called, I mean, even, even the late uh, Rush Limbaugh, ref I think, referred to Francis as a socialist, even a Marxist, and uh, for good reason, actually. Uh, Francis gets along very well with communist dictators, always has. Uh, he's kind of their hero, really. And um, so at the same time that he's chumming around with Marxist dictators, he is also promoting neo-paganism. And so it does seem to ring uh, somewhat plausible that, yeah, if you were going to have a, a religion that um, provides a kind of uh, um, uh, anti-spiritual framework for Marxism, a Marxist society, neo-paganism would probably fill the bill. Um, you look at the tyrannies of the past, and they were all built upon the paganism and heathen religions, all of these empires. And now, um, you know, the, the great advisor, the great theoretician 
to um, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, and that whole crowd. This uh, Jewish historian, homosexual, um, I guess they'd, they'd like to style him as some kind of philosopher. His name is Yuval Noah Harari, is his name, H-A-R-A-R-I, um, who uh, says that now they have the technology to exercise complete control over every human being on the face of the earth, not only physically, but mentally, to control their thoughts. <laughs> he says they actually have that. I mean, he says that what former dictators only dreamed of, we now have, he says. We being the, well, they're called the elite, but actually um, uh, they are a cult. They're nothing but a cult is all they are, one big cult claiming that they're going to recreate hum humanity. Have you heard of the, the, the Great Replacement Theory? What is that? Have you heard of it? The idea is that we are being replaced. The, the open borders policy of allowing, allowing immigrants to stream through and flood America is part of the program to replace our population. The same in Europe. Uh, to re replace the European population, especially, you know, with any Christian roots, by the invasion of uh, Islam, okay? Uh, to throw open the, 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 the gates and let Islam flood in and actually replace <clears throat> the population <laughs> as it has been known, what, what was known as Europe. So there, there are those who are actually talking about this, that, that all of these, um, these despots um, who are agents of the World Economic Forum and other you know, entities are all about that, basically exterminating our people, you know, especially white, Christian, uh, European descent people, uh, and, uh, and actually having them replaced by another population which can be easily controlled and enslaved. Um, remember, ours is the, the race, if they want to call it that, that actually <clears throat> stood up and tried to terminate slavery. And, um, but all of these civilizations and dictators, dictators of the past tyrannies of the past were based on slavery. Yeah. And so they want a slave population. They want people who can be easily enslaved, who can have nothing and yet be happy. They'll simply be fed like animals, putting uh, the dish in, uh, putting the food in the plate day by day, and they'll be happy with that, like your, like your dog or your cat. Um, so this is the idea that, you know, there are certain peoples being replaced and we are among them um, uh, because we're not as conveniently and easily controlled. But, you know, you know, there's a lot of talk about this now. And, of course, people are poo-pooing this. The leaders, the, the cult leaders are making a mockery of this idea that, you know, certain people are out to be replaced. But tell me this. When Yuval Noah Harari is openly saying at this World Economic Forum, for us that he appears in and speaks at, when you see him and hear him appearing there and saying, this is the end of Homo sapiens. We are going to terminate Homo sapiens and replace Homo sapiens with a new human of our own design. We are going to design a new human to replace Homo sapiens. Isn't that exactly the point that he's saying? We are replacing the entire human race. He's actually saying it out loud. And so it's supposed to be this great conspiracy theory of all these crackpots who are out there saying this is what they're intending to do. The problem with the crackpots who are saying they're trying to replace this group or that group, they don't see the big picture. That Harari is up there talking to those who are at the World Economic Forum saying, we're going to replace the entire human race, as it, as it is known now, with a human of our own creation, a digitized human being, who is going to make the former human being, Homo sapiens, obsolete. So talk about the great replacement. 
I mean, you can't do any, any you, you, you can't go farther than that, right? And you ask who these people are, they, they want, they aspire to be God. This is how they think of themselves, right? All of this, everything we've talked about now, is an attack against Almighty God himself. It's the intent is to destroy the very idea of God, the true almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. All of this is about destroying the very, the very concept of who this God is, let alone any allegiance or love to him. If there's any thought of this God beyond the clouds that Harari mocks, then it has to evoke in us a sense of, of hatred and loathing against such a supernatural God, supernatural to us, right? And so uh, this, is, well, this has been the goal of the Freemasons. The Italian Freemasons made it very clear. They want to utterly destroy the name of Christ so that the name of Christ disappears from the face of the earth. Well, these people are all about that. They're all about actually destroying the very concept of tr the true God so that they can, they can take his place in the minds lives, hearts of, of their new human race of their own creation. We are being replaced by new digital man. They are going to make us go away and they're going to put him this thing in our place. They're going to be nothing but robots to serve them. Um, Tom, uh, make no mistake about it. This is what it's all about. And the Novus Ordo, the new liturgy and the new religion, and came out of Vatican II, is actually designed to serve that purpose, to bring mankind closer to that. And it is uh, very deadly. It is doing that, very effective in doing that. And when you say, how can people go along with this? That's, that's the question of the minute. How can, how can Catholics go along with this? Yeah. How can anybody go along with this and still claim to be Catholic? And the answer is, well, uh, somewhere else, because <laughs> you'd have to talk to them and try to analyze, you know, how how it is possible for them to to so do such violence to their their intellects and their wills uh, that they can that they can go along with it. But uh, one thing's for sure: we know the outcome, and we know that God is still God. Uh, and he always will remain God. And at the judgment, we'll look upon the efforts of these people as the utmost folly and child's play. Just, just the the uh, the tantrums of of bad children, <laughs> right? <laughs> Who ultimately are going to have to uh, face the consequences. Yeah. of their misbehavior. Yeah. Let's be on the right side, though. Let's Absolutely. be faithful. Absolutely. Well, Father, thanks for being here tonight. We appreciate your time and everything that you do. Oh, well, sorry, Tom. Thank you. Yep. Thank you very much. Thanks to all of our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady at Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you and God bless you.